0: Hey, wonderfuls, welcome to episode 504 of the JV Club with my oh superb, sublime, wonderful guest, Holly Laurent. She is the host of the Mega Podcast, among other things. I was uh, lucky enough to do an episode of Mega. It takes place in a mega church. I don't want to tell you too much more. You just have to listen to it. It's so great. Uh, she and Greg has host that together. And I want to let you know that this is a very special episode of the JV Club. Uh, to my heart, there might be some tears. There's certainly laughter. You know what? There's certainly tears. Let me just warn you right now, there's certainly tears. Uh, But it was it was such a great conversation. Um, I I just adore Holly. So listen to this burgeoning, deepening, wonderful friendship that is happening in this episode. Enjoy it. I hope everyone is doing well. And I hope that you get a little bit pinch of what I got out of this conversation with Holly, because if so, I think you're going to absolutely love it. All right. Talk to you next week.
1: And we're off to the race. And we're off. We have
0: a, an immediate tie happening with Holly and Janet. Immediate tie. No one is going faster than the other. They are at the same pace, same pace, same pace, neck same and pace. Neck. And it's a tie, thing. It's
1: a tie. Ladies and genders, welcome to Everybody Wins Day. <laughs> we did
0: it, everyone.
1: And we're not horses, so we're not being abused because all we're
0: talking about is the metaphor of podcasting.
1: right maybe we're greyhounds And we like this. And all we do when we're not doing this is sleep 23 hours a day.
0: Isn't a Greyhound racetrack stuff bad, too? I don't know. What's bad? Everything at a racetrack is bad. Well,
1: the Santa Anita racetrack is bad. But I don't know if all the Greyhound ones are bad. Are these dogs abused? I don't know. I don't
0: know. When, When I'm sure of 11 D people right now are like, yes, they are. Have proof positive. How dare you both be so naive? I mean, I know that Greyhounds get rescued. Right, yeah, Greyhound right. right. But does that just mean that they're they are fine during I highly doubt it. And then people are just like, discard discard you can't race a war discard
1: yeah i think you can adopt them when they stop winning races so that yeah so they don't get killed but i've heard that they're great dogs to have because all they do is sleep all day long because of the way that they're wired they're like short twitch muscles or whatever Uh (laughs) i'm I'm sure i'm messing this up but the way that they're like wired for speed or whatever it makes them basically need to like sleep all the time um Like, I guess lions do that. Like, I guess if you eat only pure animal protein, you have to sleep for like 20 hours to digest it. That's why we like have vegetables too, so that we can get something done during the day. (laughs) And carbs, dude, and carbs. And carbs. I don't want to start a day without a, a piece of toast. Do you like do you start with the day with toast? I'm on a toast phase. I go through phases where I'll find something that I like and then I'll only eat that like constantly for three months and then I never want it again. Right now I'm starting my day with a piece of sourdough toast and I'm ending my day with a stoned Pop Tart in the middle of the night, and it's the best thing in the world. I need to talk
0: to you more about the Pop Tart. What's happening?
1: This is the worst part, too, is that I got into a Pop-Tart phase, and I don't know why I even had Pop-Tarts. It might be because we're house-sitting.
0: <laughs> oh my God, that is so what happens. It's the it's the adult version of babysitting. Yeah, Not to say you can't babysit as an adult. I respect that fully. Yeah. In my case, yeah. it was like... Babysitting is the place where you're like toaster strudel. What could this be? Yeah. And then you're like, oh, my life is different now. I'm these people. I'm the people I'm babysitting. I also eat toaster strudel. Like that's how it is with house sitting. I think when people are like, yeah. oh, help yourself to the stuff in the fridge. Only going to go bad. And then you're like, I guess I, I guess I just drizzle olive oil onto myself. Is that because that's what these people
1: do? Looks like I just go to their closet next, start wearing mm-hmm. all these clothes because these seem right. fun and and not mine. That's right. <laughs> Maybe. I mean,
0: listen, sure. I mean, take good care of them.
1: But to just in true degenerate fashion, so then I latched on to like, oh, I'm a Pop-Tart at night person now where mm-hmm. I want one and I'll wait. I'll be like, ooh, is that Pop-Tart time? And I'll think about it and I'll be like, ooh, maybe it would be nice later to have a Pop-Tart with like a, a whiskey. Neat. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm like, ooh, a nice, warm, comforting, adult, sweet lady. thing in my belly. Yeah, but it is the most, a Pop-Tart is so Comforting. It's... I couldn't agree
0: more. I I do need to quickly based on your toast fertility in the morning. And this is without me knowing if you're jamming on the toast, if you're peanut buttering on the toast, if you're cinnamon and sugaring on the toast. Oh wow. I guess what my immediate thought when you said whiskey was you're gonna pair that with the like cinnamon and brown sugar
1: <laughs> Pop- that tart. That would be good, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sounds great. Yeah. Yeah, Would
0: you pair the whiskey with like the strawberry Pop-Tart? I don't
1: know. Maybe you would. I had that at this point. I had that shitty Trader Joe's strawberry one. That's kind of like, oh, this is like a healthy version of a Pop-Tart. That's kind of dry and not very much frosting. Uh uh (laughs) Yeah. Got to watch out. But check this in pure degenerate form as if it wasn't bad enough to be like, I'm a woman in her 40s. Like that keeps buying Pop-Tarts now, evidently, and eating them in the middle of the night. Is the other night this this toaster where I'm house sitting is like a special toaster, I guess, and heats things to a temperature and degree that like uh, a a profound a profound temperature that my home toaster does not do. And I burned trying to pull my pop tart out, and I had smoked a joint too. So then the like (laughs) insert immediate shame, immediate shame spiral here, but. I burned my finger on a Pop-Tart so bad and immediately put an ice pack on it and then I'm stoned watching Last of Us in the middle of the night. Like, I think I really burned my finger bad. Woke up and I have a blister. I'm like, this is like a something degree burn. Yeah. And and do I tell people like, yep, I'm in my 40s and this is from a (laughs) Pop-Tart. Yeah, you do. And furthermore,
0: I think that might be a third degree burn. I think a, when a blister forms, maybe that is considered a third degree. Again, do not know that for sure. Do not know about greyhounds. Pretty sure all horse racing tracks are bad. We don't know. <laughs> it's not I cannot emphasize enough. We do not know what we're talking about, and I'm okay with it.
1: Yeah, so far this hasn't been a facts-based. Um, it is not facts-based episode.
0: It is not facts. Based. But it's
1: also not Fox News. We're also not giving you stuff that we know to be untrue. <laughs> and, and and nor are we claiming them to be facts. So we are very
0: much in the clear on that front. We are very much in the clear.
1: This week when that stuff came out about Fox News, about Tucker and about... Um, What's her name? Laura Ingraham or Mm, however you... Laura Ingraham. And all of them that they... You can see in text like documentation that they're like, um, that we know all this is false, but this is going to be good for ratings or you know, whatever. And that that all came out because Dominion filed it in the court case that they're taking up against Fox News. And so then it became public record or something. And so I spent like a good... Couple of hours this weekend, and even this morning, going over it and being like, "Is this something I could send my mom? Where I could get her to read this? This Is, is what this I'm cruel? Talking about. Should I not? Is it not but worth is it? Is it going to change anyone's? I know. I don't. If you're I just already don't, bottom, yeah.
0: If you're already there, then everything is. And maybe that's not true. I don't know. You know what? This is, I got a good litmus test family member. I'm gonna go ahead. I have a litmus test family member who I believe is. A Fox News watcher, out of habit, yeah, and is a fairly rational person. And I do now that you are saying to this to me. Perhaps you should send me whatever link you were thinking about sending your mom. Okay, I think he could be like the sort of now. When I say bellwether, is that what
1: I mean? I think so. It's I think a great so. Great word, the canary. Maybe me? it's a great
0: word. Yeah, yeah. bellwether yeah. is a like great word. He, yeah. Now that being said, canary that suggests that like everyone after him will also adopt that, and it might just be like. Maybe he's a canary, but the canary doesn't really tell us anything about the coal mine. He might be like, you know what? You're right. This is like not good. I can't take this stuff as fact. Like maybe uh, he 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 really could. He, rather than saying this is just another okay, let's do it know, as a non scientific
1: test as yeah. a just a just as a real casual curiosity mm-hmm. thing. But but would you say he's a casual fox, like just kind of habitual and not really committed?
0: Well, that's why I say he's a, he might be a good test in terms of finding that person who actually could flip, right. opposed to trying to. Bring over, you right,
1: know. Right. A hard core. But I always
0: do the I always do the like and I've I've talked to a couple of people about this. Like I do the thing where I do allow myself to get paranoid that someday it's all gonna flip on us and anybody who is not watching Fox News is going to end up being it's gonna be proven. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Beyond a shadow of a doubt. <laughs> That, yeah. that, that somebody who isn't believing that stuff is wrong. And, and, right. but like, bec- and that's how effective it is. That's how effective the sort of like what's real and what's not yeah. on in the media yeah. is that, that even cause the people I talked to were like, no, Janet, like, no, yeah. like there may be things you're wrong about, but this is not one of them. Um, yeah. I want to have, I, I, and I think, you know, nine times out of 10, I have that confidence, but Um, I try to put myself in someone else's shoes and imagine someone being like, all of these things that you believed from this source are by and large lies. It would be really hard to accept that. It would be really hard to go, oh, you know, to just be like, I guess you're right. I think that would be really hard.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've gone through it on a number of different levels and it's bewildering it's confusing then there's all the like weird shame that follows it and that's even if you like do internal like i mean i went through that with the fundamentalist evangelicalism that i was raised with like when i came to a point where i was like oh wait (laughs) right my entire framework for reality is based on this heaven and hell god and satan angels and demons like I mean, I was raised that there was like spiritual warfare being waged around us all the time. I was surrounded by invisible demons ready to like seeking to devour my soul. I was like a scared, anxious kid. And like when that, and it took a very long time for that to be dismantled in my mind. But that thing of like, oh, everything. And then I actually, while I was both simultaneously losing my religion, I was also starting to try to teach myself science. Cause that was another thing having been raised like with Christian education, we were really like kind of steered away from science. And the first time I took like my own physics class and by take my own physics class, I mean, I started <laughs> listening to Brian Green, the physicist from Columbia College, yep. like doing podcasts. Yep, yep, yep. I'm yep, starting yep. to learn physics. I remember having this incredibly strange and overwhelming sensation wash through me where I was like, oh, this is actually real. The things he's talking about, like certain the, the laws of physics in the universe and one really and for me, inspiring side of, like, learning some of the sciences is that, like, most of the scientists' posture is, you know what, everything we think is true now will probably turn out to be wrong.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I'm like... I appreciate that. I do too. I'm like, oh, Because that's not always true for science. For, For Certainly for some, like, it seems like for some branches of science there's this sort of inflexibility with certain things that are, like, you know... Oh no 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 no! We've locked this down. Right? Like, please don't. Please don't try and tell me that right. the thing we are sure of is wrong. Whereas the thing someone else was sure of 50 years ago, 100 years ago, a thousand years ago, they're wrong. But we, in this exact moment in time have locked it all down and yeah, we're good.
1: Right. right. The- I mean,
0: certainly there are things that, you know, it's like they've been proven so many billions of times that like we can accept that this is real. But in terms of like, yeah. no guys, we figured out like my whole thing is consciousness. Like, you know, no. Oh, no, we figured out. It's just a side effect. It's a side effect of blah, blah, blah. And you're like, I'm not going to be able to
1: accept that. Ooh, so what do you think consciousness is? Do you think it's generated know. by the mind know. or that the mind is an antenna that's picking it up? I, or, or something oh, oh, else uh, those are my two choices <laughs> you only get two <laughs> I'm very binary I box myself in <laughs> no
0: I just think I, I just feel like no one's come up with a really like a true like Explanation for what it is, and there, are, and I think the the scientists that I'm most interested in are the ones who are or are very comfortable saying that, and saying there's a ton of work being done in the space. There are mathematicians that are trying to figure out yeah. if there's some sort of mathematical solution in the same way that there is with physics and yeah. the physics of the universe. And is it inherent to the existence of intelligent life or is it a byproduct or is it something altogether different that we can't even comprehend yet or whatever versus saying like, oh, no, no, no. Like you like we just think that, you know, because because we're firing off some synapses that are telling us we're hungry. We think we have consciousness, but that's not real. Um, I think, that you know, that's something right. That- I like why there there's a lot of room for us to find out more about how our brains work
1: hello so much it's man this is blowing my mind and my guy Brian Green the Columbia physicist guy is he he talks about how he kind of talks about um, free will or um, our decision-making process as humans as um, a very strong sensation that we are that we have agency and that we are making decisions and we are choosing our own path and we are um really just the laws of physics playing themselves out and just because i reach to pick up this glass of water i have the distinct feeling of like i chose that and did that as an action of whatever and he's like no that's still just the laws of physics playing themselves out like your genetic code is playing out the like you feeling the like human need for connection is you reading it as being in love, like all the, di- you know, like all the. OK,
0: so he sounds like he's one of the people who are like, I'm not going to accept consciousness as something that exists outside of the laws of physics. And there's a reason for it that can be explained with the information we have now.
1: I don't know. I don't know, because I-, I heard we him. Gotta talk to him. Bra-
0: Could you come in here for a second? Brian! Brian? Hey, Brian. Oh my God, he's in he's in both places at once. He's in both
1: places at once. Ah, quantum! <laughs> this is it's like, quantum, Brian. <laughs> this is qu- very quantum. <laughs> oh, and and because we're observing him, he has now changed. Um, that's right. That's right. Yeah, that's really interesting. I don't know. I've been, uh, I've been thinking a lot about consciousness too lately because, um, yeah, when you can lose consciousness and how we test for consciousness. So if you got knocked out right now, the thing they would do as they were trying to test your consciousness to come back, they would be like, Janet, who's the president of the United States right now? Janet, uh, what day is it, right? I mean, I'm trying to think like, so these are our tests of like, um, being aware of our current like reality. Maybe that's just how we bring you back into this reality. Who's the president here? Janet, you're here.
0: Okay, we're going to take a break. I will be back after a word from our wonderful buddies at Maximum Fun. Wonderfuls, you know how it is. Something is going on with you, maybe with your body. You're feeling a little nervous about what it could mean. You go online. It's late at night on the internet. I can pretty much guarantee you, if you have a medical issue... You are extremely unlikely to find quality advice in your group chat or just randomly out there in the wild, wild world of the Internet. But you can find it from a doctor on ZocDoc. ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, are available when you need them, and treat almost every condition under the sun or moon. So no more doctor roulette or, like, scouring the internet for questionable reviews. With ZocDoc, you know you have a trusted guide to connect you to your favorite doctor you haven't even met yet. Millions of people use ZocDoc's free app to find and book a doctor in their neighborhood who's patient-reviewed and fits their needs needs and schedule just right that was a chef's kiss for anyone wondering go to zocdoc.com slash jv and download the zocdoc app for free then find and book a top-rated doctor today many are available within 24 hours that's z-o-c-d-o-c dot com slash jv zocdoc.com slash jv since the dawn of time man has dreamed of bringing life back from the dead From Orpheus and Eurydice to Frankenstein's monster, resurrection has long been merely the stuff of myth, fiction, and fairy tale until now actually we still can't bring people back from the dead that would be crazy but the dead pilot society podcast has found a way to resurrect great dead comedy pilots from hollywood's finest writers every month dead pilot society brings you a reading of a comedy pilot that was sold and developed but never produced performed by the funniest actors from film and television how does dead pilot society achieve this miracle the answer can only be found at maximumfun.org. But let me ask you this. Okay, first of all, let's quickly put into context uh, where you were growing up in this uh, evangelical life. And take your time, because like you, I used to hold my have to hold my microphone with my hand, and it definitely created a situ- scenarios in which I needed to put it down for stuff.
1: <laughs> I know, I'm pouring coffee, and I... I, it is interesting to be holding my mic again, and it's just because I'm house sitting, so I had to bring my little kit. I kind of miss it because I did feel more like,
0: oh, I'm on the go in this. Ch- Even in this chair, I'm still on the go. It's my my free will as at work right now. Yeah,
1: look, I'm going to show off. I can sit back, can rock back I can and rock. Forth. You're tied forward. You have to have good I know. posture. I'm-
0: totally tethered
1: (laughs) well okay another my my favorite modern my favorite contemporary writer george saunders speaking of consciousness he has gotten very into the like buddhist idea that our consciousness is like a Maybe this is Tibetan. Again, we didn't tell you this was facts today, not folks, but it's also not, not facts. Fact-based. It's not fact. <laughs> it hasn't been vetted, but it's also not facts. We're not deliberately misleading you. Correct. But George Saunders, I think it's a Tibetan um, uh, practice or in, in, within Buddhism, um, uh, observing the mind or the consciousness as somewhat of a wild stallion that is you said tethered and it made me think of this that is currently tethered to this hitching post of our physical body Mm, mm -hmm. and that and and maybe this is something we one of those things we say around death to try to comfort ourselves but that death is just like cutting that tether and that you end up becoming free after after having um, served your sentence of suffering in this human body, <laughs> love
0: it. <laughs> okay, so that here's a, here's a similarity. It, when we hear about the idea of serving your sentence of suffering and we think of it from a on, from a Buddhist perspective, and we're not trying to teach anyone Buddhism, nor are we trying to teach anyone how to be a uh, hardcore Christian who might believe that demons are fighting a battle around you. Um, there is this sort of through line of suffering right I mean there, there. some religions, some Christian religions are like a little heavier into the darkness or heavier into the sort of you're doomed to suffer because that's part of being a human being and some are a little bit more into like the lightness of it I'm only thinking mostly of Mormons when I say that because that's my principal experience isn't you don't spend a lot of time talking about suffering and darkness as a child in preschool in like Sunday school but um where so where were you as you were being raised in this
1: but yeah but every religion does have to answer like the problem of pain you know issue Mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. yeah so sorry I realized we just jumped right back in and kept being like let's we're breaking it down but you asked me a question and I it's totally um, okay okay so um my mom is a preacher's kid and so she came from a real straightforward baptist um pretty sheltered um life and my dad came from a family of like mean alcoholics and pill poppers and my dad in college found the Jesus people of like the late 1970s and he got really I don't know what I would almost now call radicalized but I'm being dramatic mm-hmm. but it feels that way I get that I absolutely get that he he the the idea of a of a perfect loving heavenly father who loves you all the time no matter what was so... Um was so deep. It it filled such a deep hole in my dad's psyche of just, he was never going to be loved that he just committed so hard. And he, my parents started a Christian rock band called the good news circle in the 1970s, which at the time was very, very controversial to have drums and to be talking about Jesus. And they would travel around and do like county fairs and tent revivals and high school assemblies and stuff like that. And then my dad started giving messages. They would get people all whipped up on this like cool Jesus rock and then my dad would give a message about this um, awesome counterculture, long-haired Jesus dude who loves you like you've never been loved before. And he would yeah. they would do altar calls and people would come forward. And I was kind of born amidst all of that and was sort of watching it as a little kid um, in front of the curtain and behind the curtain. And, um, and then the band kind of fell apart and my dad just became a full-time um, evangelist who would travel around the country doing like he would be um, the speaker at like Christian youth group summer camps you know where he would like they would go to chapel every night and my dad would get out the guitar and like you know sing these awesome songs and tell the and he would act out and dramatize these stories of Jesus healing the leper and like you know he would bring up the cool athlete who had been winning flag football all week and he'd be like get up here Todd and everyone would be like Todd's on stage and he would be like you're gonna be the leper get on your feet and in the end he'd be pulling Todd into his arms into this you know godly embrace because jesus didn't care that you had leprosy or that you had porno under your pillow or that you (laughs) uh, your parents are divorced he loves you no matter what he wants to hold you like this and grab the guitar let's give it up for god and everyone would start crying and like i grew up in those kind of very emotionally um charged um environments and now my dad and and then we were in Christian my and 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 so when we weren't on the road with my dad who was an evangelist um, we were at home at my mom's dad my grandpa's church um, where he was a pastor and we were in church Sunday morning Sunday night Wednesday night Christian school Bible class five days a week chapel three days a week like it was it was everything about my reality my community my way of like moving through the world was all very fundamental evangelical um, Americana, just cr- Christianity, and um, so uh, yeah, I got the good news of the gospel. And Janet, I got it good.
0: <laughs> you did. So is so what your dad, what you're describing that your dad got, got into, and sounds like was sort of helping to um, keep alive and and spread the word and all that. That can be different than more of a a conservative
1: evangel Like right I mean Yeah at the time it was pretty um, Influenced by kind of A lot of the like Woodstock stuff And all that yeah. like free love And breaking out and drugs And all that stuff was happening And so like th- this Christian style of it Was like definitely drug free Sex free booze free But they right. l- looked exactly like All the other hippies and Right the music still sounded like C C R and the Dead and stuff, but they were like, yeah. you know, talking about uh uh I've been sinning for a long time. Like, you know, songs that yeah. are like, Oh, yeah. you feel like you're at Woodstock, but it's it's Christian. And um so at the time they were um really breaking out and they were the like Christian rebels forging this new path. They weren't conservative or conventional or Orthodox or any of that stuff, but man, you live long enough. And at least what Mm. has happened in my uh, experience with my parents is that, um, that then as they got older, they really started to circle the wagons. And then really, if I could change one thing in my family history, it would be to go back 20 years if I had a time machine and, um, just yeah. somehow prevent them from ever seeing Fox News because that really uh-huh. changed everything and they now are hardcore Fox Newsers, Trumpers, very conservative, very um it's heartbreaking for me because I feel like all the values that they raised me with, with are um very antithetical to the whole like mm. Trump mentality and fuck these immigrants and and I'm like wait, you you like guns now? What? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Who are yeah. you? And so yeah. it's been very that's been um very very uh painful and very confusing for me. And again, like back to what we started talking about at the beginning, I'm like what's the point of being like mom, see she she calls him my tucker. She loves him so much and oh, it no. makes me so sick to oh, my stomach. Hard. And I want to be like, oh, "Mom, he got boosted. You can yeah. get boosted. You know, he's yeah. lying to you. Like he yeah. sucks." But I'm like I, sometimes I'm like, man, is it like the type of thing of like, don't wake up a sleepwalker type of thing? Will is it?
0: Yeah.
1: Is it hurtful to them? What is my point in trying to get them to come over to my righteous side? Like, right. They're they think the exact same thing. They're like, you know, if Holly stays on this path, she's going to hell. We have to figure out how to get her to yeah. our righteous side. So I it's know. that conundrum. I
0: get that. I mean, I get. I I really get that. In particular, and I think so many of us can relate to that with people in our families that we love who we know and and that we know feel the same way. And that's the thing I keep going back to. And Yeah, exactly. Like what we were talking about at the beginning, like who's right and who's wrong? Well, I feel like ethically, if we're coming from a place of the most kind of empathetic um, perspective, that probably, to your point, is not going to fall into the Trump category, um, but I also understand that people who feel that abortion is murder feel like they are one thousand percent more empathetic yeah. than anybody who supports the choice. Yeah. So it's it gets really confusing and it is hard with family members because you're exactly right. Like why, like why would what do I what tools do I have and what time and and devotion do i have to making that my full-time job because i feel like it would be a full-time job i mean i feel like i would never be able to walk away i would have to indoctrinate someone else yeah it's you know it's like it's like how how do you how do you do that and how and and firing off a quick email with a with a link to a a, an article isn't going to do it because you know it wouldn't do it for you you know it wouldn't do it for you exactly you know exactly and it's so it's really hard but so is there any relationship between as i'm trying to like show with my hands on an audio <laughs> totally audio podcast but is there a relationship to their changing of their way of expressing their christianity and you realizing that maybe this is not your path or is there like an inversely proportional thing you know what i mean is there is there is there a relationship between those two things or has that for them started to evolve long since you also that, like you figured out for yourself this is maybe not what I believe it's really interesting and was that a question that makes any sense at all
1: <laughs> that's
0: your first that's your first answer.
1: okay well let, me, <laughs> let tell me if this is right it, um what do I think the the is there a is there a direct relationship to the proportion of them becoming more conservative, in in terms of me becoming more like in their mind radically liberal yeah. becoming yes. a a a yeah a a commie pinko liberal pig, <laughs> <laughs> a socialist. Um, um, that's a great question, Janet. Thank you. God, that's a great question. Okay. Okay, new Terry Gross. Um, <laughs> you're my new Terry Gross because I've been. I feel like she's been losing it a little bit lately. I'm going to be honest.
0: I haven't been. I haven't. I haven't been listening. I feel terrible. Um, don't I feel can't terrible. Even agree with you. She's but.
1: losing it now. Just um, that is man. I uh,
0: um, like how old. Like what? Like where in your <sighs> adolescence? Like how far into your teens did you get? And did you get all the way through your teens before you kind of realized that maybe that wasn't. Working for you?
1: I feel like I could never find the Jesus gear in my shifter. Mm. And it always gave me a deep, deep fear because I thought, and I had a deep knowledge of all this Bible stuff and all this Orthodox stuff and conventional, like Christian, like Calvinism and all these different, St. Augustus and uh, like predestination once I learned about predestination I was like oh my gosh what if I'm not predestined and I'm was born into this Christian family and they're all predestined and so they're already going to be going straight into heaven and I'm just not because I wasn't chosen for some reason and that's why I always feel like the the circle that doesn't fit in the square and that I can't find the Jesus shifter and so even when I deeply believed that it was true when I believed that the when I believed that we had a sin condition and that the only cure for that death, deadly condition was the redemption of a blood sacrifice made by Jesus. How, however long ago and that because of that, and if I claim that truth for my own, it would somehow wash me in that blood. I would become redeemed. I would be able to be restored with God at the end of this life. Like even when I believed that that was reality and that was true, I still always was like, this sucks and I hate it. I know it's real Mm. and I know it's true and it just sucks so bad and I hate it. And I never liked Mm. church. I wasn't comfortable there. I always had that weird imposter syndrome. They're going to figure out that I am this or I'm that. I'm bad. I don't belong. All that stuff. And so... And then I'm also an Aquarius, so I'm extremely anti authoritarian and I hate authority. And anyone who's in charge, I'm just immediately like, fuck you. Oh, wait, who are you? And what are you telling uh-huh. me to do? No, still <laughs> fuck you. Like, I, anyone, cops, principals, teachers, bosses, uh, pastors, anyone, I just, I, I hate authority. I don't, um, I just don't. Feel like that fits for me. I just want to shed any amount of. There's this Nietzsche. Nietzsche has this. Do you know about like the Metamorphosis of the Soul, where the 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 soul goes from like the camel phase, where some people spend a whole life in like the camel. My bunk smokers. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me want a cigarette. I am having a cup of coffee. <laughs> I'm 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 house sitting me Janet. I'm like a totally new me. I you're don't smoke, but I right you're now I you don't want... drink coffee. You
0: don't smoke. You do today. <laughs> I and normally don't have a handheld mic.
1: But um very
0: malleable.
1: But the um the, the one of the uh, uh, metamorphosis like stages of the soul is camel of like okay, I can carry everyone's burden, I can be totally self-sufficient and I can go the distance in the desert. I am strong, I am, I can I can keep going, I have stamina, I can provide, I can do this. And like, we can spend so long in that stage. But usually when the camel transforms, it transforms into the lion that is roaring at the dragon. The dragon is the... Um, the god of that desert landscape that the camel was traversing the god of that um sort of desperate landscape is this dragon called thou thou shalt and the camel transforms into a lion that is just like screaming no at the thou shalt dragon and i feel like i spent my whole life in that Stage of the soul where I hmm. was just the dragon screaming no at the thou shalt dragon. And everything yeah. in my life was like all the thou shalt. I mean, it was mostly for me boiled down to don't drink alcohol, don't smoke cigarettes, and don't have sex until you're married. It was basically like not even Ten Commandments. I just had three. Uh And so because I was that roaring lion, rebellious nature, just naturally Aquarian, I just was like, no. And so I just was like, I'm going to be, I'm going to go to the high school parties. I'm going to drink all the Southern Comfort and do... um, keg stands have i ever done a keg stand or is that just in my memory (laughs) (laughs) have i just watched a keg stand or have i done one i don't know um but uh so i just got really rebellious and was like i'm gonna sleep with lots of people and i'm gonna drink all the booze and then it wasn't until i was in college where i was like oh wait i actually started um realizing that part of the jenga um tower of my belief system I was raised with. Uh, it was like, oh, if I'm gonna take out this bigotry and this like like uh transphobia and homophobia and all this stuff, if I'm gonna move out, if I'm gonna take those blocks out. Yeah. Eventually the whole thing falls down, but I still uncover rocks in my brain all the time where I'm like, "Oh shit, that, there's that weird dogma in there," and it
0: mm-hmm. and it's
1: it, it might be a lifelong process. So like, yeah, I stare at an email where I'm going to send my mom some revelation about how her hero is lying to her and think that I'm going to transform her life. It's probably a, a big waste of time, but I sometimes I have these very stoned thoughts at night where I think if I could just show my mom I have this fantasy of like trying to catch her eyes and like whispering in her ear like some dramatic movie moment oh my God. Yes, of like I get it. of being like mom do you want to get out like I can help you and it's good I I can help you. You won't be scared anymore. You'll be free. You can start to like yourself. Do you want out? Like, I can help you. And that she looks me in the eyes and that there's a glimmer of life still in there where she's like, yes, help me. I'm not happy. I don't want to hate myself anymore. I don't want to live in this condition that tells me that I am sinful and deserving of a very real Mm -hmm. hell and that like blood sacrifice is required of like, Mm -hmm. and all of this stuff like... And and I'm like, but what if I did that to her and it like really hurt her? Like what if it yeah. is the type of thing where I learned how when her mom, my grandma, when she was in the late stages of like dementia and Alzheimer's and she would talk to me like she was a little kid. Yeah, I learned not to say, grandma, you're my grandma. You know, I I because it would scare her. She would be like, why is this old woman telling me she's my grandkid. yeah. Like, and so I would just be with her where she is. And I was like, is this the most condescending thing in the world to think of treating my parents that way? Or is it compassionate? I don't know, but I feel like I abandon myself every time I go back into their vernacular to meet them where they're at, because the only way I can currently be in a relationship with them is to, um, sort of, speak their language and smile a lot and smile and nod a lot when they talk to me in trumpisms and everything is um jesus related and all the shame culture and all the like dualistic thinking of us and them and all of the things that i realize are keeping them in pain like yeah i engage in them to be in a relationship with them to pretend like their reality is the reality and i don't know if what's the better best best what's the worse or worst worst I I, yeah. I find it so hard and I don't oh know it, and, and I feel like I have older people in my life who are like I've lost my parents already I'm telling you nothing matters just talk to them and be with them where they're at and spend as much time with you can with the, what, now and I'm like but spending time with them hurts me I reel for weeks afterwards it's, it's so confusing oh, god
0: I really get it it's so hard Holly and you know this is not this is like the most kind of unhelpful, like simplistic, naive way of looking at it. But I'm so grateful that you are still like that all of this is coming out of love. Like it's coming out of love. Do you know what I mean? And I don't know what to do with that. Like, I don't know what to tell him. I'm not saying that you expect me to by any stretch of the imagination. But as a person who likes you a great deal and who very much relates to what you're saying, you want to be able to fix it, right? We're, we want to fix things. yeah. And, I'm, and, and yet, at the same time, part of me is like, God, you know, at least you guys love each other. Like, your parents love you and you love your parents and neither one of you neither set of you is saying like I can't speak to you anymore ever because XYZ yeah. yeah. and there are a lot of families yeah. who are just no longer speaking and they've they still love each other but they would tell you that they don't or they would tell you that whatever that's worth is meaningless at yeah. this point because this, this thing is greater than love it's greater than their love for their child or greater than the love for their parent, and that is where the true bullshit is yeah like if they can still love you yeah. Knowing that you're not that you're not walking around yeah. like espousing those same beliefs, like yeah. that's gotta count for that's something. That's so true. You know what I mean? Like that's gotta count for something. God, and even if so it's true. just on take it on a daily basis,
1: that is a big deal. That- you know? <laughs> I am so glad so we are emotional. having this talk. That means so much to me, Janet. That means so much to me. It's true because I I do get to where you you spin out, and some days you land, and you're like, oh, this is it, and then you spin again. And um, I think you're so right. I think you're, I think you're so right. And and there are times when I have that little fantasy of like. I could get them out, I could bring them to my side. I, sometimes I sit like smoking a joint in my bathtub and I go, you know what? In certain ways, by having me, my mom is exploring the world. She, I am her DNA out in the world smoking pot and moving to Los Angeles and being an atheist and then a secular humanist and then a I don't know and then a like kissing girls and being like, what is my sexuality and what is my everything and what is my... So in a way, she is exploring all of those things I would call like quote unquote new freedoms to me or this adventure. In a way, her DNA is taking that secular adventure I want to expose her to because I'm doing it.
0: Absolutely. You are killing me right now because, um, and I'm just like, part of me is like, I should stop the podcast, but I'm not going to. But I haven't talked about this that much on the podcast. But, you know, I lost my mom at the beginning of 2021. And I've part of like the process of losing a parent, especially if you don't feel like you're that much alike, which I didn't feel, you know, I felt like I felt like my mom and I were so, so different. And I loved her so much and I felt very protective of her as I got older and she had dementia um, at the end. And but even before that, I just started to feel very protective of her. And part of that was the sense of like she's depriving herself of all of these experiences and it made me sad. Um, And one of the things that has really helped me since she Uh. died is that feeling of like... She's still I mean, I think someone actually said the words to me not that long ago, like uh, like I can't remember if it was my therapist or like just, you know, my sweetie or whatever. It was like you even said like your DNA is you're bringing her with you. You're bringing her with you. And that was so (laughs) profound to me. And it made me feel so much closer to her because. You know, one of the things that you you discover when you have a parent who isn't the person you would tell everything to or who did disapprove of choices that you made yeah. or whatever, is that this this thing that's supposed to comfort you where your parent is either looking down at you fondly from heaven or is like along for the ride with you for the rest of your life is that you feel this sense of like even if you're not ashamed of yourself it's still a feeling of like ugh but like my mom wouldn't like that i'm not married and i'm living with someone or my mom wouldn't didn't like that this and yeah. that and the the sort of freedom of like it's not it's not a to b it's not you know it's your mom in the exact way she existed right. and understood life and she's just going to sit right there on your shoulder and click her tongue disapprovingly you know yeah. like that's not that it doesn't have to be that at all and that that's part of the consciousness conversation, but it's part of and it's part of that love conversation. But some of the stuff that I found out about my mom since she died has also opened up this portal to like, oh, my God, she was more like me than I thought. And that she did have phases in her life that are much more recognizable to me. And I'll never get to talk to her in as like two corporeal bodies like talk yak 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 about like these things that she did that she didn't ever want me to know about but there is but I, but I feel like oh like okay like I know you better than I did yeah. when you were alive and that there's something really wonderful about the fact that that journey doesn't have to end Um, Just because that person dies and that doesn't necessarily mean like I feel like I'm talking to her all the time although I do talk at her all the time and I do feel like there's something happening there and even if it's in my own brain um, I feel like I'm still getting to know her and I feel like I feel in a way like we're closer than we were and um, and so all of that is swirling around in this this soup of love that and that's one of the things that the last of us you brought that up earlier the thing that um i've enjoyed so much about about that show uh is the podcast that they do um where craig mazin who's just very well spoken when he talks about his process of storytelling and like um and and, uh, and neil the creator of the video game like they both talk a lot about the the story itself and he's like really into hammering home that that Underneath fear is love. And for a lot of people, underneath love is fear, and fear is sort of this like the root that everything springs from, including love. But if you come back to the place where everything is springing from love, including fear and hate, then to me, that's hopeful. And to me, that sounds more like the Jesus that your dad was singing about
1: originally as a
0: younger person is, you know, where does that, where is. Where does it come from? Where does it all come from? And that's the way I prefer to see things, you know, yeah. because I don't think I could I don't I don't know if I'd want to be alive if I yeah. couldn't find those moments and if I couldn't find like, a, you know, that underneath. And that doesn't mean that I believe in Jesus, but it can mean that people there are a lot of people who want to who want to believe that underneath it all, they're still like something that's understandable and like em- and that it's empathy not othering and you know
1: right 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 I, so holy smokes question do you get comfort from that love soup of those conversations that you have with her and those realizations and that ruminating that you're doing? With your mom,
0: I do. Yeah, it's all and it's all it all swirls together, you know. And it's crazy how much I dream about my mom. Like I dream about my mom. It's also funny because I dream about my mom and my grandmother, her mother, who was even more conservative in LDS than my mom was. Yeah, me not being that at all. Um, and I never like. I don't dream. It's my dad's parents were very secular, and my dad's like a, a secular humanist. and doesn't believe really in God at all. Um, and I never dream about that side of the family. But I have these dreams about my mom and my grandmother. And uh, and 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 I think as I've gotten older, I've realized like it's more important to me than I knew um, to feel close to them, despite some of their values, and 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 that I'm exploring that you know, in, in my dreams and my unconscious and all that kind of stuff, even when I'm not like necessarily thinking about it and putting it front and center. Um, and it's funny that it's the women because I always identified, I mean, my dad had primary custody of me. I identified as like my dad's daughter. I identified as, you know, being sort of like gender neutral, um, for a lot of my youth and, um, and so it's just it's just interesting. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean I'm more of a woman now than I was then, or anything like that. But I think, I think I actively separated myself, and part of that was like, well, I'm not like the women in my mom's family. I'm not like the women on my mom's side of the the family. And there's there's I think there's like healing that needed to happen there that maybe I couldn't do until. Like I like neither one of them are around, if that makes any kind of sense. But this isn't about me. This is about you. (laughs) We haven't even I don't even know where you went to high school. (laughs) I'm now understanding that perhaps you were not like
1: homeschooled. I went to some Christian schools growing up. Um, Yeah, you did mention Christian schools, Christian schools. Yeah, I went to Christian school in grade school and then. Um, We moved to a suburb outside Chicago in junior high and high school and I went to Schaumburg Christian School in junior high and it was very fundamental and like women had to wear skirts and we our outfits were checked to make sure like that um, our knees weren't showing. Like men, if you were male, your hair couldn't touch your ears or your collar. Like it was all these, this like sort of Bob Jones University style. Like men and females and males weren't allowed to touch okay but like, you were but it was co-ed, but it was co-ed but it Which was is Christian. interesting right yeah, and it was. yeah, and it was um chapel three days a week where it was like pastor on the pulpit pounding his fist about the fire and brimstone we would have abortion groups come and like show us all these terrible slides of like bloody images and stuff it was like really all that like indoctrination stuff, but then I went to um a public high school for a while and was like getting bullied and really having a hard time. I was like a super sensitive kid and so they pulled me out of public school, put me back in. I ended up, for high school, I ended up graduating from Wheaton Christian High School. Now it's called Wheaton Academy and it's like the like um, little prep school high school before Wheaton College. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even know if they're specifically related that way but it was a little Christian um, high school and I was always like, artistic and into the drama department and like poetry and I was weird and I would go eat in my car in the parking lot because I didn't want to like sit alone and stuff but like I I what I didn't know then was that I have very intense ADHD like um inattentive distracted and I I Um, I just re I really, I really like struggled in that time. And, but I also was like super rebel at that time. So at the Christian school, I also was known as kind of like the partier, like I had weed, you know, and so that drew certain people to me, but, um, it made most people avoid me and (laughs)
0: What precipitated you starting at a Christian high school and then going to a public high school and then going back to a different Christian high school? If you don't mind my asking,
1: was that I hated junior high, seventh and eighth grade, was at Schaumburg Christian School, and I hated it so much. I hated it so much. I just um, and I begged, I begged to go to our local public school, which was Larkin Larkin High School in Elgin, Illinois out by the there's riverboat casino out in Elgin. That's its claim to fame in the Chicago suburbs. Um, But uh, I, and so I begged to go to public high school. And then um, I, I think like the first summer, maybe in between freshman and sophomore year, I started working at racing rapids water park and I was friends with all these non-Christian like uh, water park, uh, High school kids and like young adults, and we would go party in the forest preserve and drink Southern Comfort. And then I was getting in so much trouble, I was just in so much trouble all the time because I was just being so bad. Um,
0: but they, but they, and I'm, I hesitate to use the word let you, but I guess you were a child in the sense that you were not 18 yet. But like your parents did let you get that job. Like, I'm interested yeah. in yeah. the fact that you were at the school, but you were really, really unhappy, and your parents obviously wanted to find a solution and if the solution was public school they were willing to give that a shot and you had a job that lived outside of you know a fundamentalist community that's true so I'm very intrigued by you know where they set the boundaries and kind of how they were trying to adapt or not adapt to what you were kind of experiencing
1: I love your point of view Janet you're like shedding such good light on some of (laughs) and you know how they say how memory works where it memory a memory of something is like you pulling down a file of that story opening up the file looking over it but every time you revisit that file you make notes in it and you like cross things out of like no I don't think it was like that it was more like this and that it in that your memory actually changes it's so good to share my like tired ass old memories on you because you're like (laughs) well here's a different perspective on that and I'm like oh yeah that's beautiful all I had was my teen angsty experience of it and you're like well that's pretty cool of your parents they were like letting you out and to the world which is true like I have I have met other people who were like I was raised in a cult and like we we not only had home school we had home church yeah <laughs> and um yeah. and so at least I was in the world a little bit you're right and and they did the first time I came home drunk, during, after my Racing Rapids water park job they were like they were like you have to quit your job they were like that's it we're drawing the line but that was in the years where i had already started asserting myself a little bit more i wouldn't <laughs> have done this younger but they were like you have to quit racing rapids and i was like no and they were like yes you have to quit and they were like firm and i was like no and i wow. and i just started like trying things on them because wow. i was always so 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 rebellious but um it's but but yeah i i it's so interesting to look back i'm like how much is this revisionist history and and and, and it makes me go back Janet to that consciousness thing we started out by talking about at the beginning cuz even when i was listening i want to hear from you i know it's your podcast and you ask the good questions and you're such a good Terry Gross but i want to hear all these things from you cuz this is fascinating and like your dreams of your mother Like speaking of consciousness... Do you experience those as like sifting through memories and just playing inside of your own consciousness with it? Or do you ever feel like it's visits? Because if, because going back to my man Brian Green, the physicist from Columbia, he already told me that there is no such thing as time, Janet. And at first I could not wrap my head around it, but it doesn't appear in the rigorous math or in any of like string theory or quantum mechanics or any of that stuff, any of the things that make our phones work or any of the things like the laws of gravity or the speed of light or all of those things that work out mathematically time does not exist in any of those it's a sensation that we're having we're describing the fact that we were once little and that we are now big and that we are aging and that we will eventually no longer be here at least not in this form as far as we know and um but i but but since there's no time or since she is in your dna is there any way it is somewhat of a visit like, do you feel them like that or no? I don't know. I don't
0: know what to call it or how to feel about it other than that um, That that it definitely feels like it's processing and it feels like it's significant. It doesn't feel incidental and it doesn't feel like, oh, of course you would have a dream about your mom because XYZ happened. Like, it doesn't feel like, You can sort of just point to something and go, yep, check that, you know, check that box in that, like, possible, like, it's A, B, C, or D. Well, it's C. Like, it doesn't feel like it's definable in that way. Um, I love the whole sort of, again, not being a scientist and being very bad at math. I still love the whole idea of, like, questioning the existence of time. and, And I've always loved that kind of stuff. And I think that what I've said on the podcast before, which I still feel, is, like, That there are there is so much that happens that feels to me like like I say, like in San Francisco in particular, I always say like like standing on a corner at a certain moment in time, there's a sense of feeling like I'm like like the corner is like all of the corners of my life like of the entire lifetime I've lived whether I was ever Uh on that corner or not Uh and that but that that in that in that moment in time like I feel like I'm a pin that stretches through all of the layers so I feel this overwhelming sense of not just it's not as it's not as like simple as memory it feels more like this wave of a feeling of like touching every time I've ever stood on that corner ever at all at once. And maybe this layer is a little bit shinier. And that's kind of the place that I'm visiting all of that from. But that there's a feeling of like timelessness to it. And yeah. you, you I don't feel that all the time. But but part of the thing that I think is interesting about some scientists and their belief of like how our consciousness works or how we as animals work in terms of what we can and can't perceive is like what can we handle perceiving what's useful to us what's useful on a more Darwinian level like what is keeping the human race alive Um, and what tools do you have to use on the regs for something like that versus what senses do we have what perceptions do we may we have that that aren't serving us on a daily basis in the sort of animal family sense, but that exist. And they'll use like kind of crude examples of bees seeing ultraviolet or, you know, bats having echolocation. Like how, how useful are those things? And those are the things that develop and become strong and robust because there is a sort of, you know, continuation of existence that happens with a form of life that wants to survive, but that there are these other things that we may have the tools to perceive, but we just can't do anything with them yet because there's just because it doesn't because we're not in a place where we can afford the luxury of also expanding those things and I'm not saying that means like you know everyone's psychic or whatever I don't know what that means but it feels plausible to me it feels plausible to me that there are Scientific things that, you yes. know, we like, just like we needed a microscope to be able to see the smallest little guy, you know, yeah. that um, most scientific thing I've ever said, uh, <laughs> that, that, you know, that our sort of own developmental microscopes or ways of perceiving things are going to be fine tuned and honed yeah. if we can, you know, make it through like. The things that are happening to our planet because of us and all that kind yeah. of stuff, which is a sort of a extension oh, of that conversation, Janet,
1: that is fascinating because we we infuse things with meaning and then we actually feel the sensations of that infuse infusement infusal (laughs) infusion 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 like for instance i think about it with like christmas the christmas day has a feel christmas morning has a feel christmas evening has a feel it's like such a feel we experience the day with such a distinct feeling and it's not a thing it's on it's tuesday like any other tuesday but it feels so totally different to it because we've put all these things on it and it's and so then we experience it that way, and I'm noticing that. Oh my gosh! And meanwhile, by the way, all of these other people who to whom Christmas means
0: nothing are like, "No, it is a Tuesday, Holly. Your perception of it is wrong."
1: Exactly. And maybe that's like how we're like, "No, no, no. Time is a thing." Because I was once seven, and now I'm forty-seven, or whatever. But, yeah. Uh, but it's um, it's not. It's a sensation where, <laughs> but um, it's cool. It's cool, man. And do,
0: and do you feel like? I mean, it's impossible to know, it would seem, but do you feel like part of why you are interested in these kinds of things and these kinds of conversations and why you like having the late night stoned Pop-Tart thought is, do you think that it was influenced by your upbringing? Like, in a weird way, has is it possible that, like... The questions that you're asking now and the, and the things that you love learning about and listening to and, and thinking about are informed by, like, like, oh, would you yeah. change it? Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. if part of what makes yeah. you the person you are, and, the, and I hesitate to use the word seeker because I think like that's been kind of cheesed out, but yeah. um, if part of that is like... Yeah, I don't know, like, I don't know if that would, that stuff may not have been cracked open inside yeah. me in the same way had I not had this sort of very limited, yeah. very specific education up to a certain point that made me be like, ah, I need a stretch, like, let me out of here. And yeah. then it actually force you to, like, pierce the sh- the eggshell yeah. in a stronger way yeah. than somebody who didn't have that might. They might not be tempted to ask those questions so or tempted true. to have those those, you know... those queries and like be willing to kind of expand out and you know be the lion
1: and i and i do and uh, yeah and and that's so interesting because the thing that comes after the metamorphosis after the lion stops roaring in reaction to um the perceived authority it transforms into a curious playful child and i'm like Whoa, I wonder if that's why I was drawn to improv in this life. It's like, oh, wait. Oh, my God. Absolutely. I want to learn how to play. I have to remember that it's about playing and staying curious. But, like, yeah, Janet, I just exactly what you're talking about. I just learned this new word that I love so much, and it is the perfect word and it describes what you're talking about. Have you ever heard of the word umwelt? (gasps)
0: Oh, my God. Wait. Yes. It's, Hold on. This is so weird. It, Go ahead.
1: It, it, I learned it because of this podcast I listened to, speaking of Terry Gross, talking to um, a, a science writer who wrote a book about the sensory world of animals. And he Dude. he talks about Umwelt is... it just, Shut up right now. It means environment, but more specifically, it means the environment that you experience based on the limitations of your own perceptions. I just started listening to
0: Are We Smart Enough to Know How Smart Animals Are by Franz De Waal. Two days ago, based on nothing I heard, nothing that was recommended to me, based on a conversation I was having with Brandon when we were in the car driving and we ended up having this conversation about something totally unconnected. And I was like, no, but then it goes back to the whole idea of like consciousness and like, do people understand their own consciousness and also like how... How sentient are animals? Like, how much of an awareness of self do they have? And da, da, da. And I was like, there was this amazing class I took when I was in college called um, Ethics and the Law. And one of the things that I wrote a paper on was this other book called Drawing the Line, which is about how legally, how, what legal rights animals have based on their level of intelligence, if you're sort of comparing it to how we've given ourselves legal rights based on our levels of intelligence and understanding and capability of taking care of ourselves and stuff. And I couldn't find that book, but I was like, there's got to be something on Audible that is similar. So I started like looking up just like like, phrases like animal intelligence. uh, And this this. one came up and I was like, this is Uh, exactly what I'm looking for. (gasps) And I've been listening to it. And that's where I just heard Umfeldt for the first time.
1: Isn't umwelt the best Like two word? days ago. You can even think of it in yes. terms of writing when you're like, oh, well, in this character's umwelt, they would only perceive this, this, and this because of the limitations of their own like emotional life or whatever. Yeah. Or I think about it as yes. us with humans. Like as humans, we only experience three dimensions. We only have five senses. So with these five senses and with the only the ability to see only th- up until violent and nothing after that, like... How dare us try to define this reality and say that like the example I always think of is like we describe a female cardinal as drab. When really what we're describing by that very phrase is the limitations of our own perceptions because she's actually like neon technicolor. We yeah. just we just can't or see Or our it. values like what like our, our values, values our are,
0: are part of our. And yeah. So yes. this. I, um, yes, yes, yes. A thousand times. Yes. And the whole idea of being an ethologist like understand like you can't judge something or someone based on your own perception of value of what makes smart what makes stupid what makes important what makes meaningless until you understand their ethos like it's pointless to try to define it or change it or anything like that until you fully understand the entirety of their existence as much as you possibly
1: can yes exactly which also oh my goodness gracious this is amazing i cannot <laughs>
0: believe you just brought up that word i'm gonna that send is, you something as soon it, as that is up. not a collective consciousness thing because that was uh, that was you not were on born your own, yeah. out of it was not born out of something that was like oh this is this thing i've been listening to or this thing i've been talking about and i heard about blah 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 this was like out of nowhere i was like you know what? i just remembered this paper i wrote 20 years ago like
1: whoa it's so funny it'll
0: come up another time
1: like I've 100% what, what is that thing I just heard a new word that I can't remember where once you become aware of something it starts to appear more and more to you and oh, you're like yeah, absolutely. oh it's everywhere yeah the, absolutely
0: and you have to send send me the link of the podcast and I'll send you okay yeah this you'll love it.
1: it's mm-hmm. It's so good mm-hmm. I was thinking this last night I was thinking of Umvelt because I was like I, I shit you not Janet I was taking off my clothes to get in the shower and I had the strongest feeling that there was a ghost or multiple like ghosts or something and I was thinking about the idea of like dimensions. I'm like, I'm only, I'm only sensing three dimensions. There could be a lot more going on in this space or whatever. And as I was taking my clothes off, I was like, I don't want to take my clothes off because I don't know who this ghost is and I don't want them to see me naked. <laughs> and then I had the thought <laughs> And then I had the thought, um, well, that's even me describing my umwelt of the f- thinking that clothes can hide you from seeing oh, what would only yes. be my skin anyway. When you yes. think about like, if I get in the water with a dolphin, it can see my skeleton because it's yes. also echolocating me. So I'm like, oh. so... I- I can't even like. I'm like, ooh, I'm in here in a in a um wetsuit, and the dolphins like, baby, I'm looking at all your organs, and I'm like, oh my gosh. Well, I never. Um, but it's God, oh, I, I love it. this is the this is the this is the shit. I I absolutely love Janet. And and what one more question about this stuff with your mom? Do you ever have somatic experiences where you physically? Like whether it's like for me, it's my hands. Like my hands now just look exactly like my mom's hands. Oh, Yes. I good, will have yes. somatic experiences where I feel like I'm in her body.
0: Hundred percent. You do too. Yeah. Hundred percent.
1: Whoa. Even just
0: now, it's like catching a glimpse of myself in a reflection. Yes. Where I'm not intentionally yes. looking at myself. Yeah. If it's just up from the corner of my eye, I'm like, oh my god, that is that my?
1: Oh, yeah. Who and is it? and yo, Janet, I just heard Jane Fonda talking about this on Glennon Doyle's podcast she was like um she was like find out your mom's stories because they're in your genetic code to protect your livelihood and you are Mm -hmm. responding to things based on your genetic code that are not even from your life experience they're from Mm -hmm. hers yeah I'm like whoa i feel that sometimes i'm like whoa i'm having a response to this or a fear or whatever that i don't feel like this is mine Mm. this is and i I don't know what it's from yes but the fact that like pointer puppies are already pointing it's and they don't have to be trained is because that mama pointer dog put it in the code of like if you do this you'll get food yeah and and that we're doing that all the time even with like our genetic code. But I'm now I'm trying to learn about epigenetics and be like, can I, can I change my genetic code? <laughs> well, I was thinking as I was, pl- as I was getting ready to talk to you, I was like, oh, I want to ask you so many questions and hear so much of your story. and And I was like, how do I get Janet talking about herself so I don't have to talk about myself? <laughs> and I was like, that's not the nature of this. But I started thinking, but I was thinking about how like the revision v- revisionist history and how much of a adequate, adequate picture can I give you of my like junior high and high school years. And as I was really thinking about it, I'm like, what is the like most raw version that I can access Hmm. and some of it is somatic and I Hmm. do I have the older I get the more I've been starting to feel stuff in my body where I can like feel um uh, I can almost like have physical feelings of memories I'm having of like being in my best friend Summer Peacock's kitchen while her dad is playing a card game over there and we're just getting Oreos and we're gonna go back and play records in the in the playroom where I'm like whoa I'm really and again is that inside my body or is that time just got real bendy and in some way i am back there like i love your metaphor of like i am the pin that is piercing all the layers of the fabric of this thing we are experiencing as time but as i was thinking about junior high and high school me i i was like it is a real weird um um multiple um seemingly opposite truths existing at the same time like i was both i had the lowest possible self esteem as an adolescent and simultaneously was pretty confident that's one of my favorite things about that
0: that age is that i think that's very stark in a way that we don't necessarily allow it to be stark or we don't we find ways to understand that differently or we do develop in and out of those those feelings about ourselves. But I always, but I do, I feel like that's a kind of a consistent through line for a lot of people when they're teenagers, when everything is turned up to 11, whatever. Totally. And, and that, and that somehow that can mean that two things that are in complete opposition to each other are coexisting at 11 at the exact same time yeah you know what I mean
1: yeah it feels
0: completely understand that and I think you're absolutely right
1: I think adolescence is that orange juice um, frozen concentrate chunk that you can get in the freezer section at the grocery store and you come home and you tear off that top and you squeeze it into a pitcher And then you start adding water and stir it up. Like my brother and I used to fight over this when my mom would do that. We'd be like, orange juice, we're making orange juice. And we would fight over who got to stir it until that concentrated (laughs) like block of frozenness just became juice. I just think adolescence is that block of concentrated nerve endings and emotions and experiences and everything is heightened. And you're right, the volume is all the way up and off the charts and then, I don't know, maybe then aging is slowly adding water to that, slowly adding water to that. And then maybe the flowers for Algernon thing of the circle of life kicks in, where then the older you get, then you start to take out water and it starts to all become as concentrated again.
0: <laughs> oh, that's great. I don't know. Yeah.
1: I don't, I, I, don't I love know.
0: it. I love that. I mean, I definitely, yeah, we, we gotta, we gotta have a relationship with getting older that, like we just have a lot of work to do on that,
1: oh, um,
0: as a culture, as multiple cultures, well, okay. It, listen, well, ageism is it,
1: the most socially acceptable, or it's one of the most socially acceptable things to constantly take the piss out of, like uh, our our ageism in this culture is completely off bananas, the yeah, it's yeah, it's off the it's through the roof, and it's so it's causing so much suffering because unless we fucking die, <laughs> we're just gonna keep aging. and it is like, it is the one thing we are told we are not allowed to do. <laughs> do whatever I know. you... I so
0: bonkers. Do whatever you Talk can. Talk about
1: contradicting in terms, yeah. D- dye the protein coming out of your hair. Like, put stuff in your face. Do anything you can to pretend like you're not getting any closer to death it's not real death isn't i mean it's also that yeah. speaks into our culture like our a- a- abject terror of death and like not facing that like if we could get much if we could make friends with aging i think maybe the first step is making friends with death first
0: vigorously nodding yeah. vigorously nodding yeah for sure
1: um and who knows i the only thing i've learned so far that helps is mushrooms and um, well, that's another example of like how do we think? How do we feel
0: like we've cornered the market on how the world works and how yeah. communication works and how all of that? When you have little fungi who are very, very different developmentally than human beings, having their own shared experience of reality. That's like, oh,
1: we're walking. Right. We're just walking, walking past it. Right. As and it's their, doing its thing. And their mycelium is inside the earth, like connecting everything in this web and they are a a thing that creates connections and then we interact with the it's chemical put it inside our brain and it forms connections and somehow for me whenever those new connections are made and i experience mushrooms i'm always like oh everything's okay and and then when I'm not on psilocybin I'm like nothing is okay everything's dreadful and we're going to hell in a handbasket and late stage capitalism and policing and racism and ageism and sexism and homophobia and trans and all oh my God. and I become completely overwhelmed
0: <laughs> oh oh it's time for a quick break I will be back after a word from our friends at Maximum Fun
1: Hello Dreamers, this is Evelyn Denton, CEO of the only world-class, fully immersive theme resort, Steeplechase. You know, I've been seeing more and more reports on the blogs that our beloved park simply isn't safe anymore. Mur- murder them? I'm gonna wreck it. They say they got mugged by brigands in the fantasy kingdom of Ephemera, or hijacked by space pirates
0: in Infinitum. I mean, I could have a knife. My papa said that I needed to do a crime.
1: Friends, I'm here to reassure you that it's all part of the show. These criminals were really just overzealous staff trying to make things a little more magical for our guests. We're just as safe as we've always been. This isn't a county fair, dreamers. This is Steeplechase. The Adventure Zone. Every Thursday at MaximumFun.org.
0: So I'm going to play this MASH game with you. I want to start with three... Ooh, what do I want to start with for Holly let's start with three. I'm really putting pressure on myself right now and in a totally undue way. I guess I'll just start with the huge. Let's start with three places in the world, whether you've been there or not, that you think it would be lovely to have a place to call your own that we can sort of teleport you to. And so from that place, you can either be at the beach or, you know, you're in the middle of bustling Paris because you're going to end up with a little house there or whatever. Three places that you would like to have um, another home that we can get you to right away. (gasps) It <gasps> gives you access to like wherever that is.
1: Okay, I want um, a little apartment in Umbria in Italy, um, like in the Lake District, um, and then I want a, um, yeah, um, let's go with a beach house on a Grecian island. Great, and um, and then I want a um sleeping car that I can live in. On um, a very um, high-end, like, brassed-out, like, Harry Potter-style, like, Hogwarts train in Japan.
0: Okay. Wow. Okay. This is where it gets tricky because I love the image of the sleeping car, but this ties into the the mansion, apartment, shack, and house of M.A.S.H. So... I don't know how that's going to shape into whether... If you get the sleeping car, the sleeping car might be mansion size. It might be shack (laughs) size. I don't know. We're going to find out. uh, We're going to find out together. Okay. Next category, let's do three movies that you can jump into whenever you want. You're not reliving the plot. You're just immersed in that world with those characters as you would like. And you're safe.
1: So I married an axe murderer. Great. What about Bob? Great. And um three amigos (laughs) great
0: (laughs) i love all of these because while i while they're not like paramount to like they're not like this this thing that i'm about to say is not particularly tied to the plot of the movies there's a sort of magical realism to all of these that i really that i really like that's like the sort of joy of comedy (laughs) which is like that would never happen. But also you're like, but in this reality it does. And yeah. that's kind of magical. Um, <laughs> but it's not like magic with a capital M. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and I really get it and I love it. OK. Uh, next category. Let's do three foods that in this reality you cannot eat. Nonstop, without either feeling sick or maybe it's bad for the environment or it's this thing you had really far away that you've never been able to get again in this reality this this reality we're creating um nothing is bad for you nothing has ramifications you can have this whenever you want at the snap of your fingers three things
1: pizza pasta and um wine
0: Great, great, great. Uh, Okay, next category: romance. Three people from fiction, from cartoons, uh, video games, novels, movies, TV—whatever you want. Three people that—I guess they could be real people too. I don't know why I didn't include that. Uh, From any age, any era—that you would like to have, you know, like some kind of romance or sexy times with. I'm not committing you to this person forever unless you want that.
1: Oh, um, Jodie Comer, Viola Davis. Jody Comer, Viola Davis, and um, can I have, a, can I be a third with um, Phoebe Waller-Bridge and um, what's her boyfriend's name? Martin McDonough.
0: Martin McDonough, yeah. I Yeah, great. I'm,
1: I'm a third with Phoebe and Martin. Great, great. Is okay, that beautiful. allowed?
0: Oh, very. I'm, I'm I'm certainly making it aloud. I understand that you're and you want to be a part of that relationship, not just with one or the other. Uh, so that's perfect. OK, next category. Let's do let's do three. Let's do three experiences that you can give your mom by just by looking into her eyes, you can sort of give her an emotional experience of some kind and she's going to experience it in much the same way you would rather than her experiencing it from her vantage point now um give her that experience you can just give that to her and and sort of realize that that desire that you have it's not even about selling your I can help you it's like you're just gonna it's just gonna wash over her it's <gasps> gonna be like she's experiencing this
1: oh um uh, a, a pure love and adoration and comfort of her own body and of the experience of being in her body, that it's beautiful, that it's wonderful, that it's perfect, and that she feels comfortable and, and full of like love and compassion and adoration of her body and her human experience. Um, that she would look out and see the absolute like awe of every moment of how beautiful this fucking planet is and how miraculous and awe-inspiring it is. And that um, that she could um, dance like the greatest, like, I mean, I don't wanna bring up Michael Jackson because he did such terrible things, but if I could dance like Michael Jackson, and yeah. and well, if my mom could <laughs> to dance like that, I love that.
0: Great. Great. Okay. Uh, Next category. Let's do three alternate universe careers that you're just going to try on. It doesn't have to be, you know, exactly like you're going to do this forever and all time. It's just like, I've always been curious about blank. And we'll give you the chance to like try those things on in this alternate universe.
1: Oh, um, be an expert pianist. Um, Speak Italian, Spanish and um, Japanese. Great and um be able to dance like michael jackson
0: <laughs> great great absolutely okay great and then uh second to last category uh is going to be Three mysteries that you are going to know the answers to. It doesn't. I don't know if that means everyone knows that answer or if it's just something that you have the knowledge to kind of unlock. It could be like something in, in, in the past that people just don't really know what the reason for it was or like who really killed blah, 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 whatever. You can go wherever you want with it, but you're going to have the kind of answer to three questions what could be considered mysteries.
1: Oh, that I solve them?
0: Yeah. But it could be, it could even be like, is there life after death? And it's like, you didn't necessarily solve it. It's just you suddenly have the knowledge. Like, yes, there absolutely is. Or no, there absolutely isn't. Or whatever. But it could also be as simple as like, who was the real... What's the name of the guy who jumped out of the plane? The person who jumped out of the plane with all the money? I forget. Oh, yeah, Uh, yeah.
1: Okay. You know what I mean. I would, based on this, our conversation today, I would want to know exactly what is consciousness and and be able to understand. The first one is consciousness. The second one is, um, yeah, where do we come from and where are we going? And the third one is... I would like to be able to smell like a dog smells for just yeah, just to be able to experience it because it's a hundred thousand times what we do.
0: Absolutely cannot even I we can't even conceive of it we can't conceive. I love it I love it those are great okay and then final one is three people that you would like to do something creative with they can be living or dead um uh, time is not a thing so it doesn't matter three things and you don't even have to necessarily know what the collaboration would be um but if it's an artist of some type that you admire three people you would like to collaborate with on something new
1: um you Barack Obama and. Uh, <laughs> Come on. <laughs> and James Baldwin.
0: That is a uh, tremendous company to be in. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. we'll make sure you don't get me. <laughs> you and I could do something. That's fine. <laughs> Let me give you the impossible. Okay. Eh, nothing's impossible. Those, the, the, you, you could work with Brock, There's no question about it. Okay. And, and uh, love James Baldwin. Okay. Beautiful. Uh, give me a word to kind of help describe um, how you're feeling right now.
1: Soft.
0: Wonderful. Okay, I am going to do the the magical math that is MASH. I'm going to be giving you your 100% guaranteed MASH alternate reality. Um, <laughs> while I do that, will you please tell people about Mega and any and everything else that they should know about, enjoy Participate in that uh, are all things Holly.
1: Well, sure. Thank you. I almost brought it up earlier because my dad is now currently the pastor of a mega church um, in Indiana. But I, um, right now, I uh, have a a comedy podcast that is called mega and it's an improvised satire from the staff of a fictional mega church we have a different comic come on every episode and play a different member of the church staff or community and we just improvise in character and it's very 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 fun and quite therapeutic and miss janet varney has been on it before and it was so fun so check out her episode (laughs)
0: It was so fun. And um, Brandon loved it so much that also on the same drive, completely unrelated to when we found that audiobook, he was like, I want to listen to that um, mega church episode you did again. He was like, that was so funny. They're so good. Uh, and so we listened to that again. Uh, and uh, it is a wonderful podcast, you guys. It's, it's real world building. And you guys are both so present to being those characters. It's really something. It's very uh, special. Thank
1: you. Mm-hmm. Your hair is best ever, Janet. It, it, I know this is a, not a visual medium, oh. but if I could tell everyone that, oh, this hair she's got on right now is so good.
0: I'm so glad you say that. I keep. I've been cutting it myself, and oh, it's um, so good. I've lost the thread a little bit. Like now, I'm just like, I don't know. What if I did this? And it could evolve into something ghastly at some point. Oh no! But for right now, I'm enjoying it. So, so thank far, you very so much. good. <laughs> 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 uh, here we go, my dear. Uh, first of all, I mean this is very, very good. This is very good. Well, let's 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 talk about this for a second because you absolutely did get this sleeping car <gasps> uh, on this train in Japan. Now, it's considered a shack. But at the same time, that's also like, a, that's the word that you might use to describe like a one room mm-hmm. place.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, for it's sure. It's not going to be an apartment because yeah. it's not stacked on no. top of something else. And it it be I to not a mansion Because it couldn't go anywhere. Yeah. And it's not going to be a house because, again, that's multiple rooms. We're talking about a streamlined, yep. movable car. Yeah. If you were like, I live in a train car in the middle of nowhere, people would be like, what a shack. So what we're talking about right now is it all makes sense. It actually all makes perfect sense. And there couldn't be anything less surprising about that to me. Uh, all the pizza you want, all day, all that's night. You Don't food. have to just eat pizza, but if that's all you want, baby, that's what you got. Snap of your fingers, uh, any kind, zero ramifications. Get in on that pizza, enjoy it. Uh, I'm gonna tell you right now, Jody Comer is right there with you. She is gonna be oh gobbling down God. that delicious za. I'm never saying that again. I'm never <laughs> saying za again. That's it. I tried it once, and I I tried he it right here it. And now. And I hated it. Okay, now uh, you know. You guys are gonna be gobbling up that pizza. Um, I. It's so easy. for for to me to imagine like the two of you on this car eating pizza. There's no way she's not going to jump into What About Bob with you. Oh. Listen, you can have alone time if you want. I'm just telling you she's going to be a great companion for all of your adventures. So if you want to have her there, she too can jump into What About Bob. Oh. You have answered the question of what is consciousness.
1: Oh my god.
0: And you are collaborating with me on something. <laughs> Yes, you 100 percent I- did not get those two luminaries. That's
1: great because I can actually do something with you,
0: and you can do something. And you with know me. what?
1: I can do something with Barack too, and I will.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, Wait, and it, James
1: Baldwin's still alive? Don't I don't think me. he is. And so in another, I thought he wasn't. Universe. And I, was like, I
0: can't call someone not alive if they are alive. So. Yeah, he
1: is not. And he, but in another universe, or in another, or in a parallel, or in a, yeah. another part of this simulation, I can.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He's what is consciousness? Well, Well, I'll I'll tell you later because now I know you definitely do. That's another episode. You definitely do. Uh, I also want to leave you with uh, these two things. First of all, I hope you'll teach me how to dance like Michael Jackson, because (laughs) I tried doing that in my dance class in my seventh and eighth grade years. And I can't say I ever got great at it, but it was a Very fun time. But what we should say is we want to dance like people who dance like Michael Jackson. That's it. There's this whole legacy of beautiful human beings uh, who have those skills. They're going to they're going to imbue us with those skills. I've totally added myself to this. They're going to imbue you with those (laughs) skills. Perhaps I will, some of it will rub off on me when we do our uh, thing together. Um, and then you also have uh, given this gift of this experience for your mom of really being in her own body in this pure and loving and adoring and cherishing and celebrating kind of way. So that is also um, something very special indeed.
1: Wow. your mash, baby. Thank you for that, because that just made my little brain light up with joy. Thank you.
0: Yes. Now go have a cigarette
1: and (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) It's it's Janet's orders. I've got to. (laughs) Holly, what a pleasure. I'm
0: so glad that we did this and that we're friends.
1: Me too. Mm -hmm. Thank you Mm -hmm. so much. I got nothing but love for you. Um, And... I don't know what's in that picture I'm holding that I sent you as a teenager. I cannot you, remember. I, I that, can't to, remember, Talk about a beautiful it. mystery.
0: Uh, talk a beautiful mystery. Okay. Yeah. I love that it's just off. Uh, you guys will see it when you look at the, the photos from this episode, but um, it is. It's like, it's the photos about you, not the thing you're holding. So it creates this sort of like, you know, hundreds of years from now, they're going to be like, and we still haven't been able to figure out what the great Hollywood was holding in <laughs> Um picture. There are a lot of theories. Many people believe that it was a picture yeah. of uh, Bill Murray, but uh, <laughs> we haven't been able to figure it. Anyway, um, uh, all right, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we did. If you shed a tear, you were not alone. Uh, <sighs> we both did a little of that. And um, this is this is it. This is like this is like an example of like why I love doing this podcast. Is like oh, this is you know yeah this is what it's all about for me so thank you, thank you so, thank you, so thank much you for, for this
1: i can't wait to i'll see you soon i'm gonna send you stuff as soon as we're off yeah I'll yeah send yeah. You I'm my send you audio stuff. file you're the best i'm hugging and kissing you i'm and hugging and so is you. jody Come on, comer one. you're our third Ooh, right I'll, now i mean oh, i'll my. take it i will take it with <laughs> a blush
0: i will take all it all right um all right everybody uh be well and i'll talk to you next week on the podcast The show is recorded by me and edited by Julian Burrell And as always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi
1: Hey, remember when We could save kittens from trees Or lunch on skyscrapers Bring the villains to their knees Maybe we should some
0: no
1: Maximum Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.